Welcome into a special episode of Crunch Time. I'm your host, Joe Hamilton, and my guest at this time, Cardinals and Blue Studio host, Scott Warman. Scott, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing really good, really good. I'm glad we were finally able to do this. A little technical difficulties <laughs> yeah. before before we were able to do this, but hey, hey, better late than never, right? That's exactly right, brother. Exactly. <laughs> So let's let's get right into this. Uh, the Cardinals entering the offseason knew what they had to do. They had to go out and get pitching. Um, with these moves made now for Lance Lynn, for Kyle Gibson, for Sonny Gray, are you do you have a sense of confidence now, or is it not done in your eyes? Like is it is the rotation not complete in your eyes? Well, I don't think, uh, and John Mosaic mentioned it in his press conference when announcing Sonny Gray officially as a member of the Cardinals, that he's not done by any stretch of the imagination. <clears throat> Next week, we will have the winter meetings. Um, I think there's a couple of things you have to look at, Joe, in this whole context. Is first and foremost, uh, the Cardinals have been the most aggressive team out of any team in all of Major League Baseball to start off this free agency period. Cardinals know they had to get out some pitching, a lot of pitching. I mean, even John Mose, like said it, it was back in August. We need pitching, pitching, and pitching. And they got three. I think there are some that maybe might even be surprised right now that you got three starters via free agency. But you think about there are so many teams out there that need pitching. I mean, it is the hottest commodity in all of Major League Baseball. And so the Cardinals went out and they set themselves up, I think, in a good position, to be honest with you, Joe, for the winter meetings, which, again, will take place next week in Nashville. Uh, you get a guy in Lansland, you know what you got there. You sign him to a one-and-one, one year plus an option year. Same thing with a guy like Gibson, one-and-one. And, one. and then you get Sonny Gray for three and an option. And I believe, from what I understand, the contract with Sonny Gray is for only $10 million in year number one and then incrementally goes up than years two and in years three. Sonny Gray coming off a terrific season. Uh, I think he's been a guy that's kind of been under the radar, if you will, as far as a pitcher is concerned. I liked him even way back when he was with Oakland before Oakland let him go. Um, so he's he's had success in this league and at least recent success. <clears throat> I mentioned this the other day. I was on with um, uh, my buddy Matt Pauly over at KMOX is the fact that you look at what you've gotten in Lynn and Gibson and Gray. There's some common denominators. And I know the first thing that comes out of a lot of Cardinals minds is the fact that, yeah, they're getting, they're of, you know, mid thirties age. Okay. I understand that. But also looking at guys who are going to give you near 200 innings. If you look at their numbers and you're also looking at guys that have and it's something the Cardinals have been looking for, for a while, are pitchers with swing and miss, lots of strikeouts. Look at Gray's numbers. We know Lance Lynn when he was here. He still continues to strike a lot of guys out. And you got a guy like Gibson who also has swing and miss stuff. So that's something that they've added to this. Now, the other part of it is the fact that, and I mentioned this with Maddie the other day on, on Sports Over Line, is the fact that now that you've added innings, you have so many guys over the years that give you a five. And if you get six or seven, then you're, then you're in, in good shape. But think about not even just last year, but over the last few years where this team was shorthanded because of the short of innings from the starting rotation that had the domino effect to the relief core. And then your relief core is gassed early on. 
Now, granted, when you look at a season, you start in April, you're not going to have guys going nine innings. It just doesn't happen. That way. They're still building themselves up. But once you get into May and especially into June, you got guys that should definitely be stretched out by then. You look at two years ago, <clears throat> not last year, but two years ago, the Cardinals went out at the trade deadline. They get a guy like Jordan Montgomery. Look, I'm, I'm a huge, huge Harrison Bader fan. I love the way the kid plays. He's a great kid on top of it. Um, but I thought that was a tremendous trade by the Cardinals. And I think there's a lot of people, buddy, out there that didn't even know who Jordan Montgomery was until he came to the Cardinals. We see what Jordan is all about. Look at getting Jose Quintana. Sure, he gave up a guy in Oviedo. And unfortunately for Johan, another super, super dude. He's going to miss all last year. He just had TJ surgery, I think, last week. But you get a guy in Quintana. So you got guys that gave you innings because – not only were you short of innings in your starting rotation, you were kind of short of innings in, in your bullpen. Go back two years ago. Remember, the Cardinals, even early on, and I remember this, in June, they were short of innings from their starting rotation. The relief court was getting gassed in June. And you go out and you get a guy like Jay Happ. Then you get a guy like John Lester. And these guys get the fountain of youth. They literally did. They were tremendous if we all look back even a couple of years ago. So my point is, is the fact that the Cardinals have missed length out of their starting rotation for more than just last year. It's been the last few years. So for them to be so aggressive to go out and get these innings and, and get swing and miss stuff. I'm a guy that I have no problem with the infield that the Cardinals put out there and Goldie and Arenado at the corners. Now a, a Mason win at shortstop. We got a good taste of him in September. We can see that he can pick it over there and has unbelievable range at shortstop. And you can throw Edmund, Donovan, or whoever over at second base. You've got such a solid, solid, I would say even more than a solid infield that having ground ball pitchers like a Miles Michaelis, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But you also want to mix it up a little bit. But I think more importantly than anything else is you've got three guys that can give you a lot of innings. Now, all of this obviously is based on, you know, health. Can these guys remain healthy? Uh, but I think, you know, you look at the aggressiveness that the Cardinal organization has had compared to all of the organizations. They have gone out and gone full throttle to try to boost something that they knew and everybody knew that they had to add a lot up. Are they done? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. Will they go out and maybe get another starter? You know, there's rumors. You and I were just talking right before we started the interview that, you know, today as we tape this is the fact that maybe they have interest in Dylan Cease. I'm sure they have interest in a lot of guys if the, if the price is right, so to speak. But I think they also have to look at their bullpen too and add from their bullpen as well. But I don't have any problem at all with the start that the Cardinals have had. And I like the aggressiveness that the organization has taken early on compared to other teams in major league baseball i'm i'm excited too man um i I just wanted i guess more of an ace to start out with but hey this is probably the best start the cardinals have had to an offseason in a long time uh we talk about the lack of quality starts the lack of um innings in general um, did the wbc have a lot to do with that the cardinals had a record and record number of guys that pitched in a WBC. Do you think that kind of hindered them this season? Uh, I think it hindered a lot of them. And it's interesting because you don't see this talked about a lot. Look, I really love the WBC. I was watching all the games and that's, that's going right up against the NCAA basketball tournament. So I'm flicking like a madman when I'm at home, working. <laughs> but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, nobody brings it up, but the greatest player in baseball right now is Shohei Otani. You can't sit there and tell me, 
that all the innings that he threw for Team Japan for them to actually win the WBC didn't have an effect on what transpired. And now we're not going to get to see Shohei pitch uh, this upcoming season. That's my own personal belief. I don't know I have any insight. But, yes, I believe that had an effect on more than just Cardinal pitching or Cardinal players and what have you. I think it had an effect on other players outside of just the Cardinal organization. I think it's a very interesting point, uh, Joe, that you bring up uh, with the WBC. I don't want them to lose the WBC. Can they place it somewhere else? I mean, I'm sure it's probably they're kicking the tires on something like that. Because, again, when you're doing the WBC, you're doing it in March and spring training where guys are just starting to build themselves up. Again, you're not going to get a guy that's going to go seven, eight, nine innings to try to win a game against Team Canada or Team Japan or Cuba or, or whoever. It's just it's it's absolutely impossible. But the other thing I want to bring up that you mentioned as a number one, uh, also look at it from this perspective as well. Aaron Nola was a guy, I think, that had interest from around baseball, strong interest. So when you get a guy like Aaron Nola, you're going to go into a situation where potentially you're going to have to outbid somebody. And that's a process that's going to take a while. Nola, eventually, he apparently from all reports, he took less money because he wanted to stay at home, which I appreciate. I like to hear that. I like, you know, I like the Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina stories where guys stay within their organization that came through for the most part. We know Wainwright was traded when he was in the minors when he initially was in Atlanta. But I like stories like that where they stay within their team and take less money. I think that uh, shows a lot uh, about a particular player, especially in the case uh, of Aaron Nola. If you want to go big, you know, there's Yamamoto, some other guys, then you're going to be into a, a, a bargaining war. You know, you're going to have to try to outbid the Yankees and the Mets and some of these other teams where that process takes a little bit longer. And then if you're going through that process, you might miss on player X, Y, Z. So, it's all about timing also has something to do with this. So, yeah, do I think the Cardinals would like maybe to have a Yamamoto or a, or if a Nola decided he didn't want to go back to Philadelphia? Sure, I don't have any doubt in my mind. But then if you get into that bidding war, then you might miss out on something else. Also remember this. <clears throat> we're talking about, and I know we'll get into trades, is the fact I've mentioned this on several different occasions when we got up to, and at the trade deadline is, a lot of deals I've learned over the years that have been worked in the winter, eventually commenced in the winter, those conversations that John Mozalak and company probably had already leading into the trade deadline. And, of course, they had GM meetings in Arizona the first part of November right after the World Series. So those, probably, those conversations probably continued. Now, things probably have changed since that point moving forward, but I'm sure there are parameters and things where they know where – XYZ team is interested in XYZ player or players as far as making a deal is concerned. So I think the foundation has been laid for, for some parts for, you know, XYZ player for the Cardinals to be moved on to whatever team that might be able to facilitate uh, more pitching to this organization. You know, this could be a um, touchy question here, but who are the guys that, you could see being moved. I mean, I obviously you hear Cardinal fans. I'm I'm on a bunch of Cardinal groups on social media talking mm -hmm. about different guys that they don't want to see moved or want to see moved or not want to see moved, but knowing they have to give something to get something. Yep. Who are some of the guys you think that maybe 
they end up moving? It's a tough call. Um, I've said from the get-go that if the Cardinals really want to make a big splash via via trade, they're going to have to make what I call an uncomfortable deal. And that means letting go of someone that they really don't want to let go. Who that is, I mean, you could say a goalie or an Arnado or a Gorman or a Jordan Walker. Do I think any of those guys will be moved? No, but I can't say that with 100% certainty because if another team comes in and says, hey, we want, you know, whatever, Jordan Walker, which seems crazy, but if they give you somebody that you're like, wow, we never thought we could get, I mean, you got to at least entertain that conversation. Um, but yes, sure. When you look at the, the, the position players for the Cardinals, there is an excess, if you will. And so, sure, you look at the outfield position or you look at some of these guys that can play multiple positions. Obviously, I'm talking about Brendan Donovan or Tommy Edmond. Uh, yes, that, I think that that is a possibility that one of those guys and the, especially the multiplicity of, of guys that you have in the outfield are definitely in play for the Cardinals to make the trade. And, and to be honest, I, I well, all the guys that were let go, uh, what was that, a few weeks ago, I was really surprised to see Andrew Kisner let go. I really was because I know Kiz had a great relationship with a lot of those pitchers in the pitching staff. A, he's very well respected, but not only that, but he improved from an offensive standpoint. His bat played a lot better this year than it did in previous years. I know it's the numbers, and Herrera, I know, I know from – people within that organization that have really been impressed with the way Herrera picked up his game, not only from a defensive standpoint from 2022 to 2023, but also from an offensive standpoint, they really, really were impressed when he got the chance to come up and play with the big club. So was it a numbers game? I guess it was. They didn't want to carry three catchers. Somebody's going to wind up with a terrific backup catcher and Andrew Kisner, not only a good catcher, but a good dude too. Really, really good guy. And you're going to make your pitching staff very happy. So I guess my point is the fact that I, I don't know a lot of this stuff. We can all sit here and speculate. Um, but that one, that deal definitely, uh, not to bring kids back or at least give them an offer, uh, really took me by surprise. So I guess the point is don't be surprised that there is an uncomfortable trade to again, help bolster, um, you know, some type of the rotation. And again, you're looking at whether it's glass now, obviously the rays are trying to get rid of or a cease. I mean, you're going to have to give up at least one or two pretty darn good players, Joe in order to bring back one of those players if you want to continue to bolster your, your starting rotation. You're not, you're not going to get them for peanuts, that's for sure. <laughs> no. You are not going to get Dylan Cease. You're not going to get Sheen Beaver for peanuts or pennies on the dollar. You're not. You're not. No. So uh, there, there's that front. And also, just getting off the offseason real quick, the Cardinals – could not get a hit with two outs, could not get a hit with runners in scoring position. They couldn't get a clutch hit to save their lives. And I hate to be that critical, and I'm sorry about that, but what has to change? Like, what has to change approach-wise to improve that in 2024? Because it was in an all-time bad last year. They struggled. There's no doubt about it. There was time... You know, we had games where it was, what, 15 to 1 or whatever, and the Cardinals were crushing the baseball. And then the next two or three games, you know, they just kept so many runners on base. It's got to be an approach, and I'm sure there's conversation about that. 
Um, I think Nolan Arenado would probably be the first one to tell you that last year was not, <clears throat> excuse me, was not one of his better seasons for sure. Uh, I look him, look at him as a guy that's going to be a little fired up this year uh, coming up in 2024 because, you know, especially a guy who is as hard of a worker, uh, Joe, as you can imagine, and this is not us seeing him work, talking to other people within uh, the national baseball ranks and, and tell, will tell you that they have not seen a guy work as hard as a Nolan Arenado and a guy that wants to win. So, you know, that he was wearing that on his sleeve and you know, that guy like Nolan Arenado is going to have come back, especially as much of a time and effort that he takes even on the defensive end. I mean, even Arenado admitted it, it, it during the all-star break is he didn't like the way he played third base in the first half of the season. So I, I look for Nolan to have a monster season in 2024. I, 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 I really am. Um, but yeah, that the guys like Arenado, uh, I think with Walker and Gorman, it's one of those situations that it's really kind of a maturation process <clears throat> more than anything else. And you see the raw power, you see the skill, um, it's it's glowing. And that's not just me as an observer and as a, I don't know, a host and slash fan or whatever. I mean, I, I, I'm blessed, to, and I've told you this before, I'm blessed to work with ex-players and when you sit in our green room over at Bally Sports Midwest and you work with these guys, you learn a lot more about the game. They see things that we don't see. It's really, really incredible. And so when they see the raw abilities of a Jordan Walker and Nolan Gorman, it's like, wow, that really wakes you up and realize that you know, the Cardinals really do have something good here. They really have something significant. And I know I've mentioned on several times on our shows is the fact that <clears throat> You know, once you get the maturation process of especially if you have a Nolan Gorman and a, and a Jordan Walker who are back-to-back in your lineup for many years to come, that's a scary proposition. If you're Pittsburgh, if you're Cincinnati, if you're Milwaukee, you're any team, much less any team in, in, in the National League Central, uh, that's something I think Cardinal fans should be really, really pumped up about for many years to come. Yeah, I, I saw glimpses out of Jordan Walker. Granted, it was a learning year for him it was really a learning year for him coming up yeah coming um yeah coming up from uh coming up uh on the opening day roster then getting sent back down then coming back up i mean maybe going down and this is where i want to kind of go to also maybe going down hurt him a little bit maybe going down hurt his momentum a little bit because i think he was on a little streak when he went down or at least coming off of one and still having a pretty good season to that point. Yeah, he, he was struggling. And then when he went down, if you remember the first part of May, he was struggling down in Memphis as well. And then he kind of found himself a little bit more and started hitting the baseball and then, then came back. I also mentioned this too, and I know I've mentioned it on the air, is the fact that, you know, everybody talks about the outfield and he struggled. But you could see, I mean, I've even had this conversation with a guy like Jim Edmonds, who I think is a baseball savant. <clears throat> And Jimmy has said, first of all, because there's a conflict of should he play left field or right field. And Jim says right field is much easier to learn than left field. And Jim has noticed an increased difference in his play defensively from the first part of the year to the end of the year. He really worked with Willie McGee really, really hard. And something that we pointed out, I know several times on Valley Sports Midwest, was the fact that if you watched 
where Walker was playing at right field early in the season. And then as the season progressed in the mid and late summer and all the way to the end, he was playing a much deeper right field. And I think maybe that was part of him reading the baseball a little bit better and getting some jumps. I mean, let's face it. He did make some incredible sliding grabs towards the end of the season. So I think that helped him out and just look, it was the middle of 2023 when they switched him from third base to the outfield over in Springfield. So this is still a learning mechanism for the kid, and he's still a magnificent athlete. He's an incredible athlete, and he'll get there. And I have full confidence in this young man's ability. Will he be a gold glove right fielder? I don't think so. He's got a hell of an arm, too. But I think that he's going to show that he's – not going to make as many mistakes as he continues to work hard with Willie McGee and works hard in the outfield to be more than just a sufficient uh, right fielder, especially with his incredible athletic ability. You talk about Nolan Gorman too. While there is a lot of, uh, a lot of home run power there, there's also a lot of strikeouts. How, um, how much faith do you have? I have a lot of faith in a guy to cut that down. How much faith do you have as a fan, as a host, that he can cut that down? Or do you think we'll see the home run power, but we're also going to see 120 to 140, 60 strikeouts a year? Well, I think we did see some improvements in part from two years ago to last year. He wasn't chasing a high fastball as much. <clears throat> in fact, we pointed that out several times. Uh, on our post-game shows. Um, but it's one of those things where it's part of the game today <laughs> is lots of strikeouts, <laughs> lots of swing and miss. You have, and, and that goes, I mean, I can go before you were probably born when, when there was power hitters, but not as many as we have now. Um, Jack Clark was a perfect example. I mean, that guy was incredible in the mid-80s. But Jack struck out a lot. It's just one of those things. A lot of power hitters, if you look at the history of the game, also had a lot of strikeouts. Very few, if any, unless they were Hall of Famers, were high, weren't high strikeouts, high home run hitting players during their entire careers. So you kind of have to take the good with the bad. But I thought he actually did a much better job of not chasing that high fastball like he did before. And again, it's kind of like Jordan Walker playing right field. It's one of those learning curves that he's going to have to go through. But it's also one of those things that I think <clears throat> that goes with the territory. I, I know Jim Edmonds believes that this guy can hit 40 home runs a year consistently. He thinks he can be a 40 100 plus RBI guy each and every year as long as he stays healthy. He's really impressed uh, by the young man's swing and his approach as well. <clears throat> I, I understand through people within the organization that you really don't see it. He seems kind of a, a quiet type of guy, but people are telling me that he's got a burning fire inside and he wants to win. Um, and, you know, that's obviously goes a long way for Cardinal fans <laughs> when you got a guy that has a will like that. Maybe he doesn't show it. You know, on the outside, but inside, I heard he really has a lot of uh, will to to want want to do great and, and want to win. And obviously, you want something like that on your team. You definitely want that on your team. That is for sure. So, um, two more before we get off here. One being for the Cardinals to maximize their lineup. This is this is just my opinion, and I don't understand why. They were utilized this way. I would have Goldie and Arenado hitting three and four. 
I don't know why Goldie, since he's come here, they've hit him in his second spot. Mm-hmm. When I think of Goldie, yes, he's not a pure power hitter. He'll give you 30 a year, though. You know, he's he's one of those guys that y- y- you want him hitting third. Have him hitting third, uh, uh, Arnado hitting fourth. Do you agree with that, or do you see a method behind the madness of hitting him second and Arnado third, or like Arnado fourth? You and I disagree because I like Goldie batting second. Here's why. Now, in today's game, in fact, <clears throat> I know right before Tony the Russo tired and retired and uh, Albert moved on to Anaheim, Tony was kicking the tires of moving Albert up to the number two spot from the number three spot. And the reason he had mentioned on a couple of different occasions of why he wanted to kick the tires on that is he's like, why not give my best hitter an opportunity to potentially move up one and bat it maybe one more time because he can be that much of a difference maker. And I think the same thing, you can take the approach with a Paul Goldschmidt. <clears throat> Got some raw power, can hit for average, but also has a good feel for the strike zone. And I, I, I honestly, I love Paul Goldschmidt batting uh, second. <clears throat> In fact, if, I, if it were me, <clears throat> you'd either put Newt or Edmund at the top of the order for Goldie at second. I put, I'd squeeze Gorman in between uh, Nolan and uh, and Goldschmidt, so you got a left right left right thing going up against uh, your opposing pitcher. Uh, I, I would, and I think that would also benefit a guy like a Nolan Gorman. You were just talking about, you know, lots of strikeouts or whatever. Well, if Gorman's bat in front of a guy like Arenado, well, then Gorman's going to see a lot more strikes, and that means he's probably not going to strike out as much. That's just my my theory, um, <clears throat> and that's why I would squeeze a guy like. Goldschmidt and Arnado uh, split up, split them up, I should say, two and four, and have somebody like that, or even a Jordan Walker if you want to go right, right, right. If you got a, a lefty going, um, I think that benefits them. And I think having a guy like Goldschmidt, I think you're seeing this maybe in some other teams where they're batting some of their best players, uh, probably at number two, with the exception of Atlanta, when you got an incredible athlete like Ronald Acuna Jr. You put him at leadoff because he can steal bases for you, too, and set the tone. So he's got the speed. He's got the power. He's got the five-tool ability. So a guy like that, you definitely put you know at the top of your lineup. Even look at uh, – we've seen from time to time, and it'll be interesting, obviously, with the former Cardinal manager, Mike Schilt, taking over with the Padres, is <clears throat> now that you have a, a healthy Fernando Tatis Jr., where do you put him? I know at times previous managers have actually put him at the top of the lineup. Well – wait a minute, here's a raw power guy. Yeah, but he also has a raw speed too. And if he's your best hitter, you know, between him and Machado, why not try to get him as more bats if he can? So I I like that philosophy. And I think that that's the same route I would take with a guy like Paul Goldschmidt because really and technically he's probably your best hitter as far as having a great sense of the zone and what to do with the bat, putting bat on ball, even can move your runner over from second to third if your leadoff hitter is over at second base or the number nine hitters there. Uh, I I have no problem with Goldie batting second. Did I sell you on it, Joe? <laughs> I mean, a little bit. I, I'll give you that. I mean, we saw Gorman. Uh, we saw Gorman, though, struggle. I mean, struggle for, I think it was all of June in third spot. So, I mean, yes, there could be this is a year of growing. I get that. Maybe next year he won't have those struggles, but it did kind of hurt us in a, in the month of June having him bat third over and over and over again. It started working and then it just 
kind of bottomed out. So mm-hmm. if, if that happens again, I want to see him take that and run with it. Sure. Absolutely. So, I agree. And by the way, I want to correct myself here. I mentioned Newt and Edmund Alsman throw Bernard Dobbin, who may be the most natural uh, leadoff hitter that we have on this team right now. I say we, the Cardinals have on their team right now. That guy's, he's incredible. Yeah. He's he is incredible. I, I can't believe, yeah, I was going to say Donovan too, but I, I, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, one more thing before I let you go, uh, Cardinal, the Cardinals defensively were not as good as they were two last year as they were two years ago. Why do you think, what do you think's changed? What do you think changed in 23? Mm, I think, well, like I mentioned before, Nolan Arenado admitted that he had a, an un Arenado like in the first half, at least, um, think this team also faltered in the outfield when you talk about the growing pains with the Jordan Walker you didn't have anything consistent in center field like a Harrison Bader um, so that hurt you until you really got Tommy Edmond out there in center field he really kind of solidified things when you think about it and the other part is over in left field I mean <clears throat> I know Tyler O'Neill's on everybody's in, in everybody's doghouse but let's not also forget that You know, Tyler won back-to-back gold gloves. I mean, you think about a few years ago, the Cardinals had almost their virtually infield and outfield and, of course, behind home plate with Yachty. All gold glove catchers are all, you know, at least finalists in almost every position. That's almost unheard of. So you had a drop there. You obviously had a drop in your catching position because nobody can, you know, pick it like Yachty or Molina ever picked it in the game of baseball. That's not me. That's some of the all-time greats, Johnny Bench, you name it. They'll tell you that. Yachty's the best defensive catcher they've ever seen. Um, So I think that that all plays a role. Uh, I think because we'll get Mason win for a whole season, uh, that's going to definitely be a benefit for this team. And again, like I said before, I I expect Nolan to come out firing. And I think you're going to see an incredible Nolan Arenado. I think he's going to be fired up. And I'm sure a lot of these guys are pumped up to see what the Cardinals have done already in this offseason, what, what's more to come. I think you're going to see a team that's just going to come into spring training ready to load it for bear to prove that last year was one of the few years, but we haven't had a year like that since 1990, over 30 years. And I think that that's uh, one of the things that they're out to prove uh, some of the naysayers wrong too. Scott, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Um, I hope you enjoyed it too. Hope to get you on soon, man. Absolutely. Anytime, buddy. Always good to be on with you, bud. All right. For Scout Warming, I'm Joe Hamilton. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. Until next week's show, have a great weekend and have a happy holiday. <laughs>